Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast on Thursday, July 14th. Michael Beller and Al Melchior here with you as we round third and head for home in the first half of the Major League Baseball season. We've got a weekend worth of baseball ahead of us, and then all-star break is here. So Al and I are going to do something a little bit different on this episode. It's just the two of us, no guest. We're going to have a little bit of fun, name our fantasy baseball all-star team for the first half of the season. Al, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. The season is, I know I feel like I say this every single week when we, uh, you know, we uh, kick off the show, but the season's just flying by. What, what's, what's happening with July here? What's happening with July here? We're already halfway through the month. By the time we come out of the All-Star break, we're talking about, what, one week and change of July and one week and change up until the uh, trade deadline. So things are going to get fast and furious coming right out of the All-Star break, which is part of the reason we thought it'd be nice to just slow down. We sort of all know what the score is here. We don't need to be inundating you with advice every single day. Let's slow down. Let's take a look back and name some All-Star teams and have a little bit of fun with it as we head into this final weekend of the first half of the season so uh, Al I'm going to set the stage first we're just we're picking you know we're, we're leaning into the major league baseball side of this year so these are baseball teams not not fantasy teams these are baseball all-star teams so just three outfielders no corner infield no middle infield we're just going to name a starting pitcher a piece one reliever a piece so just those guys uh catcher first base second third shortstop three outfielders a starter and a reliever and we're not just going to do Oh, this guy's been awesome. We'll give you a little bit of forward spin too, but it's good to take stock of the season when we get to this point, right, Al? Yeah, yeah. Did I miss DH there, though? Because especially now that it's universal DH, I I think we got to pick DHs. Yeah, definitely DH as well. Definitely DH as well. I just, I I was flying through and I just skipped over uh, the DH part of it. But yes, (laughs) DH as well is part of it. You're an NL guy like me. Oh well, I but I've been, I've been clamoring for this. Is one of the best things that's happened in Major League Baseball in my lifetime is the universal DH. So I'm very happy about that. I just, I just flew right past it in my mind, on my sheet, all those as a, things. As a diversion, and since we are leaning a little bit more towards real baseball instead of fantasy here, um, I, for pretty much as long as it's been talked about, oppose the idea of universal DH. And now that it's here, I do love it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I was wrong and I'm happy to admit it. You're telling me you don't miss uh, watching like Kyle Hendricks hit? No, no. I mean, I kind of miss, you know, like Madison Bumgarner, like pitchers who can actually hit, you yeah. know, but yeah, that's such a, a rarity. It is. It is. And uh, we're all better for it. And now we get to actually talk about having DHs and not just like the best uh, National League hitter who can't fit into the uh, all-star starting lineup gets to be the DH. Now we have some real DHs to talk about as our hitters here. William Contreras, of course, drawing the start for uh, for the National League alongside his brother Wilson. And that takes us right into our all-star teams here. Let's start at the catcher position. Al, you can have the first pick. Who is your number one all-star catcher for the fantasy baseball season? season this season i think it's got to be alejandro kirk and uh this is a player that i don't have rostered anywhere uh didn't really didn't really uh have much interest coming into the season just because i wasn't sure where the playing time was going to come for kirk didn't know if he would catch a lot if he would figure into the dh situation in toronto but obviously playing a lot and uh, the only catcher that's accrued more Roto value than Kirk, um, and I'm I'm going to be probably referring to this a lot, uh, Michael. But I, I've got in front of me here mm-hmm. the Fangraphs auction calculator. So uh, I know there's other sources out there, but this is the one I'm going to rely on for this show when I talk about uh, players who have 
given us a good fantasy return. So Kirk had uh, an ADP, I believe this is NFBC, uh, of 205, and only Wilson Contreras, the aforementioned Wilson Contreras, is the only catcher to have more roto value so far than Kirk, and it's barely more. Yeah, and Teeb is obviously someone who was drafted a whole lot higher in fantasy drafts. And so that's something that we're thinking about here, too. You know, we're, like I said, I don't mean to beat a, beat a dead horse here. We're having fun with it, so we're not going to take this too seriously. But that is something that factors into our discussion is, you know, are we talking about just pure best performer? Or are we talking about guys who are providing a major return on investment uh, in your fantasy leagues for you? So Alejandro Kirk, uh, definitely one of the return on investment champs of this 2022 season to date. I got to go with Wilson Contreras, though. I mean, a guy who has just done every single thing you could hope for on the year. 13 homers, he's stolen three bases, he scored 47 runs, he's driven in 35 of his own, batting average 262, totally solid. OBP, if you're in an OBP league, 377, way better than totally solid. Uh, He's playing so well, he's not going to be a Chicago Cub for too much longer. Maybe they sign him in the offseason, but uh, he's going to be one of the big prizes of this trade deadline over the next couple of weeks. And I mean, what a year. Wilson Contreras is putting together and just, uh, you know, wherever where, where you got him in fantasy leagues too, a major return on investment, what he has done to this point of the season. One of the handful of reliable offensive catchers that we have in this fantasy game. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Um, he certainly was in, in the picture uh, for me. And, uh, you know, for me, actually it was kind of a tough decision between Kirk and um, uh, Travis Darnot. And I was really surprised to find that Darno was actually drafted later than Kirk on average. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, a little 2020 hindsight there. Yeah, there um, you go. But I just, yeah, if you had asked me, I would have assumed that Darno would have yeah. gone earlier than Kirk and, and probably by a lot. And again, that's probably just my bias and my, uh, you know, filter that I'm looking at this through that I, I wasn't really looking at Kirk in draft season. Yeah, uh, neither was I, and so uh, just uh, really drives home what a uh, what a return on investment he has given us this season. Let's move on to the first base position here, Al. I get to go first on this one. This is a layup, Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, the dude's the dude's probably the NL MVP if we vote today. Uh, just doing everything for the Cardinals, and yeah, still a guy who was taken pretty early in most drafts. But we're not talking about a first round Paul Goldschmidt any longer. We're looking more at like a third round Paul Goldschmidt, maybe even an early fourth round Paul Goldschmidt. And so uh, to see him, uh, 19 homers, a 415 OBP, he's over 60 runs, he's over 60 RBIs, he's stolen five bases, uh, and he's just been such a consistent guy throughout the season too. And that's something we love in the fantasy game. Uh, You know, end of season numbers are end of season numbers, especially in Roto Leagues. But you like a guy who is, you know, not accumulating all of his stats in one, you know, strong four-week sample and then is just sort of meh the rest of the time. Paul Goldschmidt has been playing at a super high level all season long. He's just been a consistent source of production from April 7th all the way here to July 14th. That makes him the uh, first base all-star for me. Well, I agree, and I know I've got to keep this interesting and and, uh, feature another first baseman, but I I had Goldschmidt as my top choice as well. And I want to say about a week ago, I talked about this with DVR on the show, that I've got a team in TGFBI that actually is not doing as well now as it was when we talked about it. Uh, At that point, I think I was like top 10, top 15 overall. Uh, Still in first place in my league, though. And that is a team that includes both Paul Goldschmidt and Aaron Judge. 
and they are respectively number two and number one for all hitters <laughs> yeah. in Roto value. So if you got both of those guys, and if they both continue to do what they're doing, you're you're probably going to win your league. So by by any definition, you know whether it's you know a real baseball definition, mm-hmm. value definition, flat out performance definition, the answer is Paul Goldschmidt. But I guess if I'm going to go, well, actually, one more thing about Goldschmidt, which is that I do have a little bit of a uh, a regression worry for him in the second half uh, because a lot of his value has come from a high batting average. He's close to 400 in BABIP. He's a good BABIP hitter. He's probably not that good. So I do have a little worry there. But if I really go the value route uh, at first base, I think it's got to be Anthony Rizzo mm-hmm. because I think after a couple of relatively lackluster seasons um, uh, with the Cubs that uh, Rizzo is really, uh, you know, I mean, came last year over to the Yankees, but this year has really uh, gotten back to his, his prior form, a lot more power that we're seeing from him. And of course, you know, hitting in that Yankees lineup where he's surrounded by more and more power, uh, even with the 224 average, he's uh, probably winning leagues for people. Been really great for him this season and really has, um, you know, tailored his swing to playing his home games at Yankee Stadium. And it's not to say that he's doing nothing on the road because he does have some decent power numbers on the road, but just shows off the uh, the smarts that he has and a guy who's been able to figure out how to uh, get the most out of the sort of player that he is at this stage of his career uh, in his home park. And so uh, a really nice bounce back season for Anthony Rizzo with all those homers that he is racking up. And you're right. I mean, this was a guy who we were regularly drafting in you know anywhere between, I would say, I don't know, the third and fifth rounds when he was at the peak of his powers a few seasons ago a couple of bad seasons conspired to push him down draft boards and now you see those big power numbers in the middle of that Yankees lineup definitely a guy who has been a huge win for anyone who drafted him way back in March let's move on to second base here Al who do you got for us here Okay, well, I, I can kind of mix and match a little because I've got a few players that, that are multi-positional uh, players. Uh, so I'm just going to sort of uh, arbitrarily slot in Brandon Drury here. He's got to be on this all-star team somehow. Yes. He's a guy who was typically added off of FAB a few weeks into the season. And one one assumption that I made about Drury and just this incredible year that he's having is that it's just the easy narrative is, well, he's in Cincinnati, so it's got to be the park, but his home road splits are actually pretty, pretty even. So he's just hitting with a lot more power than we've, I think we've ever really seen him hit. Uh, uh, in fact, yeah, I'm looking now barrel rate, 12%. He's never had a double digit barrel rate before. There you so go. Uh, just a legitimately better offense offensive season for Brandon Drury. Uh, And again, in a context where maybe he's not getting much help from the ballpark, but he's in a lineup with other players who are. Yeah, he has just been truly excellent. And that was my first pick for the second base position too. Like you said, we could have slotted him in a couple of different places, but he had to find his way onto this team. I mean, 18 homers for a guy who, like you said, was being added off a fab. And then also, you know, can play those multiple positions. So, like, that Swiss Army knife, we know how great it is to have in a fantasy context. And uh, the way he's been able to do that for people this season is, like, you know, if you were hurting at multiple positions, Brandon Drury has been able to solve a problem for you and move other players around where maybe you weren't hurting and you can move this guy to that spot. Brandon Drury, just truly excellent. A guy who wasn't really even on our radars back in March, now here on a fantasy all-star team. 
there are a number of ways we could go here. Uh, I, I'm going to go, I'm gonna just going to go with, uh, you know, a guy who sort of follows what I said with Paul Goldschmidt and go with Jose Altuve. 17 homers and eight steals. The batting average is nice. The OBP even better here. And it, similarly to Goldschmidt has fallen off a tiny bit from his high watermark of a couple of seasons ago. And so that turned him into a, you know, late third round pick in most drafts, late third, early fourth, somewhere in there. And, and so there's a major return on investment from a name brand player. You know, Paul, or uh, excuse me, Jose Altuve playing more like a top 30 guy overall, not just top 30 hitter, but top 30 guy overall. And so when you get that in there from a guy who you took, you know, maybe 35th, maybe 45th, depending on how your league goes, you feel really good about that. And then something that you feel good about both Altuve and Goldschmidt for is the track record suggests that even if they fall off a little bit, and I'm not granting that they for sure will, but even if they do, you're not worried about some cratering of their production. These guys are way too good, way too much track record, way too much know-how of how to take care of their bodies through an entire 162-game season that you don't think suddenly the production is going to completely evaporate here. So Jose Altuve, a guy who has obviously put together a great first half and someone who I feel very good about keeping that going into the second half. That's a great call. That's a great call on Altuve uh, because, yeah, while he's not wasn't, you know, off the radar like Drury was uh, back in March, he definitely wasn't getting drafted uh, the way that he he was at his peak as a, you know, a first rounder. Uh, but, yeah, reports of his demise were, <laughs> were greatly mm-hmm. exaggerated and basically just flat out wrong uh, because there there is a power rebound there. He's on his way to uh, what appears to be his second straight 30 home run season. Um, he's not as good of a contact hitter as he used to be, but he's kind of plateaued to being a, you know, a good contact hitter with like a 15, 16% strikeout rate. And you said something, Michael, that that took me a little off guard, which is you said, and he's a guy who's going to get on base. That's a relatively new thing for him. And he's got a career high walk rate right now of 11.5%. So he's, uh, even though he strikes out more than he used to, he's still somebody who helps you with batting average, just not to the same degree. He's got a 371 OBP mm-hmm. to go with that power and a little bit of a rebound in steals. He's got eight steals so yeah. far. So a 15 steal season, which it would be his first one since 2018. That is very much in reach. All right, Al, let's go over to third base now. And third base is just like, I mean, we really can't go wrong here, can we? I mean, we're looking at Jose Ramirez, Austin Riley with the 25 homers, Manny Machado, a great season from that same sort of uh, Goldschmidt, Altuve spot, Rafael Devers doing his Rafael Devers thing, Nolan Arenado, something of a bounce back season with 18 homers. Uh, If we didn't talk about Brandon Drury, we could put him in. If you want to go total return on investment, how about Patrick Wisdom with 17 homers and six deals? There's just a lot of routes for us to go. But I don't care, dude. I'm just going the easy route. Like, Jose Ramirez has done everything you wanted to do. And I know, like, you know, you took him as the third or fourth pick in your draft, so you expected him to do this. But he's still doing it. And, like, it's crazy the numbers that he's put. 17 homers, 13 steals, 68 RBIs. He's hitting 285. He's got the 366 OBP. So batting average OBP, whatever rate your league uses, Jose Ramirez is a big, big plus there. Like, I'm not going to make this one too hard. He's been the we we expect him to be here. He has been here. He has been the best producing fantasy third baseman out there. Sure, there are people who have provided a bigger return on the investment because you know there wasn't <laughs> too much higher for Jose Ramirez to climb for where we took him back in March. But whatever, the dude has done everything you asked for him, and probably a little bit more given the pace that he's put together here. So I'm going to take Jose Ramirez. All right. Well, 
I'm going to, I mean, it's hard to disagree there. Uh, like you said, you, you threw out a lot of names. I think one that I, maybe I missed, but I didn't recall hearing was Bobby Witt Jr. No, yeah, I didn't say uh, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I had skepticism about him being able to replicate his double A AA and triple A numbers in the majors. And that's pretty much exactly what he has done other than the batting average. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, he's on pace to steal a whole bunch more bases. And yet he is not my pick. Oh, um, I'm going to go with yeah, so I just thought he was a name that deserved to be in that conversation. Sure. I'm going to go with John Birdie oh, because of <laughs> he has absolutely changed people's teams. And again, sort of like with Drury, you know, did it uh, a few weeks into the season where there was this, you know, I mean, it's not like we didn't know that Birdie could steal bases, but I think, you know, we all had questions about playing time and whether or not there would be enough uh, other things in that stat line to, to make him viable in fantasy. And uh, he has absolutely been that. I mean, he's, he's given people huge boosts and um, obviously in stolen bases, but he's also just overall been a, a top 10 third baseman. He's all, and also eligible at a few positions. So that's another bonus of, of having birdie on your, on your roster. How comfortable are you with him in the second half? I'd say pretty comfortable. I don't see the Marlins as a team. I mean, maybe they'll they'll make some additions. I, I'm not sure which way they're going to go uh, over the next couple of weeks with the deadline coming up. But I think if, if the Marlins make some additions, I don't think it's going to be anything that reduces Birdie's role. And I don't think he's somebody that... I suppose maybe he's somebody they could trade if they go the other way. But yeah, I'm 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 comfortable. I wouldn't feel the need to be getting reinforcements because I think that, you know, some sort of drop off is, is imminent. Just a great, great first 27 steals. Like you said, he's like probably more so than any other player. You know, he's not the best player in the majors, not the best fantasy player, but he's provided a fundamental change to his fantasy teams more so than any player drafted or undrafted, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. He has turned a good steals team into an untouchable steals team. He's turned a bad steals team into a good steals team. It's just remarkable. The effect that he has had by bringing uh, that speed and that stolen base ability to all of his fantasy teams and to the Marlins for that matter as well. Shortstop next up on our list here, as we are building our fantasy baseball, all-star teams on this episode of the athletic fantasy baseball podcast. Al, I've got the first pick here. I think it has to be Dansby Swanson. Right? <laughs> I knew I, it would be. <laughs> right? I mean, he's he's basically, he's got like effectively the same numbers as Trey Turner, and he did it being like 100 picks later uh, on the board. And so like, if you want to say Trey Turner's the better, uh, certainly the better, like the better real life player and even the better fantasy player, I'm not going to fight you on it. But Dansby Swanson has put up effectively the exact same production while coming 100, 120 picks later in a standard draft. And so Dansby Swanson, the pick for me. And again, another guy who I feel totally comfortable that he can keep this production going throughout the season. I think we could be looking at like a 100 run, 25 homer, 90 RBI, 20 steal season. And just what a year that would be for Dansby at the end of it. Yeah, the the steals have really made the difference for him. I don't know if they'll, they'll continue. I'm not sure where they were before. But yeah, this version of Dansby Swanson uh, takes him from a, a you know a middle round candidate to uh, somebody that I think you know we'll, we'll be looking at in the early rounds next year if he keeps us up in the second half. Al, did I just jump the gun on you at, at shortstop? I think I did. You did. Shit, my bad, dude. Well, no, 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 no. I was I mean, so just excited. A- I, Dansby's my guy. You know that. I was so excited. <laughs> I, no, when I said yeah, uh, I meant in terms of he was going to be my guy. But I also knew I also knew he was going to be your guy. Oh my god, what a jerk! 
you can take the first two outfielders. How about that? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Actually, my lar- I don't know. let my largesse wash over you. I I will I, I will soak that up. I and I've lost track, so I don't know if you actually if if I really deserve to have that coming or not. You do anyway. You do. Uh, I will go ahead with my uh, you know last minute scramble here at shortstop since I can't have uh, Dansby Swanson. Uh, I'm going to go with Tommy Edmond here. And by the way, props uh, to my friend and league mate Dave Anderson, who I was having a conversation with just a couple hours ago. And I was telling him about this exercise that we were going to do on the show today. And he said something about Tommy Edmond being a an all-star for him. And I said, you know, on the list I made, he didn't quite make the t- cut. But I think I need to rethink that because it's another player who, uh, as as we expected, could help you out with steals, but also gives you multi-positional flexibility. And I'm sure, Michael, I talked about this with you and or DVR back in March that Edmund, I thought, was being just way, way overdrafted, overvalued. And I'm the dummy here because <laughs> he's he's done uh, everything he did last year and then some uh, on pace for a 100-run season when he scored 91 last year uh, on, on pace for his best home run total uh, of his career and actually even on pace for his best uh, stolen base season. So... He's doing everything he did last year, uh, but but more. So uh, hats off to everybody who, who drafted Tommy Evan. All right, Al. Now you get to go two outfielders. Two out. Take the first two off the board. I'm a jerk. I was just so <laughs> excited about having Dansby Swanson <laughs> on the squad here that I totally jumped the line on you. So, I, I mean, you know, outfield always going to be super deep. You could go just the straight up production route. You could go the return on investment route. You could go a little bit of a combination of the two, uh, there's so many options at this outfield position. So uh, who do you got here? All right. Well, I'm going to go one definitely uh, that's that's just total production. I guess a, a bit of a value to an Aaron Judge. Uh, he's, you know, he's the obvious one, as I alluded yes. to earlier. He is the number one hitter in terms of roto value right now um, and has built a very big cushion for himself. So he could very easily be there in September as well, as long as he stays healthy. And he has stayed healthy. I know that's one of the things that maybe did uh, move him down draft boards a little bit. But um, yeah, you couldn't ask for more uh, out of Aaron Judge. I'm not even sure what else there is to say because everything that makes him so valuable are things that everybody's well aware of. The power, (laughs) the run production, uh, the potential that he's totally capitalized on, um, just having a a great season. So he's, like I said, the number one roto hitter overall, number one outfielder then, obviously, Right behind him are Jordan Alvarez, and at number three, I think you absolutely have to include Julio Rodriguez. Yes, that's what's going to be my first pick after Josh, for sure. <laughs> okay, so I think a little bit of a combination of just, yeah. you know, flat-out value here, um, or, you know, flat-out production, but also a, a bit of a value pick as well. Um, a, another rookie that has just completely blown away any expectations that I had, um, you know, to come in as, as such a young player. Uh, on opening day to be on a major league roster, 21 years old, and do it all, do it all, stealing bases at a pace that I don't think anybody foresaw. He's a little bit slow out of the gate in terms of batting average and power, but right now, 274, 15 home runs. What more can you say? I mean, I think something else that you love about Julio Rodriguez is that slow start. And so a guy who, um, you know, probably not like, I mean, how how many times has Julio Rodriguez done anything slowly in his baseball career? Uh, he has very well could have been the first time ever. And so to see him so quickly adjust to the major league level after starting out poorly and then ascend as the first half drew, uh, drew on, like 
feel very good about him being able to continue this level of production into the second half. That was exactly my first two as well, Judge and then Julio Rodriguez. Uh, so you take the first two off the board, as you should have. And so I'm going to go the same route as you for my first outfielder. We'll come back to you for your third, and then I'll plug in a couple of more. Yeah, yeah, I don't care where he was drafted. You can't not take Jordan Alvarez. I mean, yeah, on the IL now, uh, but uh, still just deserves uh, every bit of kudos that he amassed for himself the first half of this season. I mean, just what what a first half that Jordan Alvarez put together. 26 homers. He's driven in 60 runs. He's got the 306 uh, batting average. He is above 400 in OBP. I mean, again, another guy who obviously you were expecting big production out of when you drafted him back in March. But I think even the biggest Jordan fans in the world would maybe be a little bit surprised by what we've seen from him in this first half of the season. Uh, The production has just been massive. He has provided a return on the investment, even at that lofty draft day price. Uh, Jordan Alvarez is going to be the anchor of my outfield here. Yeah. It's going (laughs) to be a good outfield uh, with him in it. Yeah. For sure. All right. So my turn to go go with uh, outfielder number three. Take your third outfielder here, Al. All right, uh, let's 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 go with the Schwarbs. Yes, had to be in there too. <laughs> had to. Yeah, I figured uh, he, he might be on your, your list. Would have been well. next. Would have been the next guy if you left him there. I would have taken him next for sure. All right. Well, I, I left you some good ones still. So <laughs> uh, it's just it's all it's all power for for Schwarber. And I wrote in my notes, and this was actually something that I also just put on on Twitter for a weird reason, but. Uh, I wrote career high barrel and fly ball rates just when you thought he couldn't get any more Kyle Schwarbery. <laughs> yeah. And then I realized, oh, Schwarberries. Yeah, that could that could be. A oh, Schwarberries. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, Let's get him a contract or something. Make a, a breakfast cereal or something. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that I, I love it. I, I just you have to have him in there just mm-hmm. for the overall fantasy production. But just the fact that he's he's just completely leaned into being Kyle Schwarber yes. and just going for power. And yeah, hitting what two fifteen? I think. Uh, yeah. Let me see. Yeah, two fourteen. But a three twenty five. Uh, part of that Phillies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, still, still walks. Like you said, he's still, he's still Kyle Schwarber yeah. doing all the Schwarber things, just only more so. Only more. Hey, four steals also. Yeah, so that's, that's nice. that ties a career high. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, Kyle Schwarber almost certainly going to have a new career high in stolen bases this season, which uh, you happily would have signed up for, along with you know those twenty eight home runs that he has mashed and uh, going to be participating in the also in the uh, home run derby. By the way, Al, what a home run derby field we have. Yeah. Love, love, love that. Like I've, this is like resurgent in recent years, right? That like dudes who are actually like mashers and also legitimately very good players are like really enjoying participating in the uh, home run derby what a field we have this is going to be super fun uh when the all-star break gets here next week uh, and kyle schwarber certainly uh, going to be one of the favorites to take home that home run derby crown um all right so if, if you hit 17 homers and steal 15 bases i think you sort of have to be on a first half all-star team so kyle tucker is going to make it for me i'm going to take the real life teammates and make them teammates on my all-star team as well um, I, I'm really not caring too much about the uh, return on investment here because uh, of the fact that uh, 17 homers, 15 steals. Not that that's not a return on investment, but you know I'm taking you know, I'm taking two guys who were both drafted very highly and have basically done what you expected of them. So Kyle Tucker, uh, you do that, you drive in 60 runs, you put up a 350 OBP, you're going to find your way onto my All Star team certainly. There are a couple of different ways I-, I could go to fill out the team. Um, yeah. I- 
batting at Juan Soto's disappointed people in batting average leagues with the 245, but he's got 19 homers. If you play in an OBP league, you don't care about the 245 batting average considering it's got a uh, 402 OBP attached to it. Um, I think Bryce Harper is a fine choice here. Mike Trout, certainly a fine choice here. Um, I, I think you can make an argument for George Springer just with every, every single thing that he's done to this point of the season, you could really lean into the, uh, the return on investment once again, and even go down to like Patrick wisdom, who I mentioned at third base with those 17 homers and six steals for a guy who you really didn't have to do anything to get onto your team. Oh man, man, who do I go with here? Is it Trout or is it Mookie Betts? It's one of those two guys. That's sort of why I was dancing around Mookie because he's the other guy uh, in here. And, you know, ultimately, I I think I'm actually just going to go with Mike Trout (laughs) because it's a little bit, a little bit more uh, production here uh, out of, out of Mike Trout. And yeah, I mean, when was the last time you were able to take Mike Trout with the, with a late first round pick? And that's what you were able to do this season. And, you know, the guy's still pretty darn good at baseball. That he is. (laughs) That he is. Uh, So, yeah, Mike Trout will round out my outfield. Aaron Judge, Julio Rodriguez, Kyle Schwarber, Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, and Mike Trout make up our respective all-star outfields. Let's get some DHs in here, Al. Who do you like? All right. Well, I've got a real dilemma here. Uh, And again, it's kind of the overall production versus the, the value dilemma. I... I, how do how do you leave Shoei Otani off your team? I yep. mean, maybe you, you can get him in there as one of your pitchers. Uh, you could get him as their DH. But I'm going to pass on him at DH just because there's a player that I don't think I have talked about all season long. I Maybe I talked about him back in March. And he's having a really fine season, and it's Charlie Blackman. Mm. Um, and what a distinction, too, to make here is also that all-star teams, as well they should be, you know, based on actual performance and not on, on peripherals. Blackman's having a, a rebound season, his best season since 2019. The peripherals don't really back it up. Um, so particularly with the power, he's got 14 home runs, maybe has a shot at his first 30 home run season since 2019, uh, producing a lot of runs, hitting 273. But, you know, to look at the, the stats, I mean, at best, it looks like a player who, should be plateauing from last year when he slashed 273, 51, 411, had a sub 100 WRC plus. But again, it's the real performance that that matters. So it because is. of that and the fa- and the fact that he got drafted so late, I'm going with Charlie Blackman. I think that's a, a great pull here. Definitely a a guy who's had a really nice season and someone who uh, should is totally deserving of being on an All Star team and you know really playing. Plenty of DH. Uh, twist my arm. I guess I'll take Shohei Otani uh, right here and just throw him in there. Uh, I mean, this guy's so special, Al. And like, it never, it just, it like, I really hope it doesn't get old. Uh, I don't think it will. Um, I really hope it doesn't like get treated as old by, you know, media or whoever uh, it might be because like, it's going to, this should be, this should be seen as, as special as it is for however long this guy's in the majors. And no one does this. No one does what he's doing. It's completely remarkable. I mean, I am 37 years old. I love baseball. I love football. I love basketball. Not really much of a hockey guy. Um, like soccer. This guy's the most, like, this guy is so, like, truly, a truly unique athlete. A true, like, a true one of a kind in a way that no one who I follow in any other sport is. Yeah. 
No argument there. I mean, he's just a, a, a fun player to roster in fantasy, a fun player to watch on TV or in person if you happen to be in Southern California. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, definitely deserves to be on on all-star teams of all kinds. Um, Al, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling uh, really nice and generous here. So uh, why don't you go ahead and take our first starting pitcher also as we, uh, as we uh, get a couple of pitchers on here and then say goodbye. All right. Uh, I feel like Shane McClanahan is is an absolute gimme here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think leading in road of value. Let me pull that up and make sure that I'm uh, my memory's not faulty here. But obviously, just you know, one of the great stories of the season, and kind of falling in line with the you know what I was saying about Charlie Blackman. That I have some concerns that McClanahan and McClanahan is the the number one uh, pitcher in, in road of value, uh, just ahead of Sandy Alcantara. So I'm not sure that that he'll be as good in the second half. I mean, he look, he's a perfectly good pitcher, definitely a, a fantasy ace, uh, but also benefiting from some, uh, you know, BABIP and, and strand rates that I don't expect him to maintain in the second half. But based on what he's done in the first half, he's on my fantasy or on my uh, all-star team. Yeah, there's he's the easy number one. And I don't know if there's necessarily an easy number two. I think there are a handful of guys who you could make the argument for, certainly uh, Sandy Alcantara is in there. Corbin Burns is in there. Shohei Otani as a pitcher is in there. I think Alec Manoa, it, I, he's not who I'm picking, but at least deserves to be part of the discussion. Joe Musgrove, not picking him, but deserves to be part of the discussion. I'm going to take Corbin Burns here, Al. And it's it's the it's the difference in strikeouts versus Alcantara. Alcantara's got 111 Ks and 130 and one-third. Burns has got 134 and 106 and one-third. And, you know, Alcantara's got the ERA at 1.73 versus the Burns 2.2. Burns has got a slightly better whip. And so there's no, there's not a right answer or a wrong answer, but the, the difference in Ks is enough for me to go with Burns over a wildly deserving Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. Whew. Well, yeah, this is a tough <laughs> one that you've left me with here. I could go a lot of different ways. I, you know what? I was going to go Tony Gonsolin. Because he's number four in roto value uh, among starters, um, eleven and zero, and that that counts in fantasy, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, so it'd be hard not to put him on here. But I'm gonna let one of my my all star pet peeves get in the way here because it, you know, in fantasy, I, if we're looking at this from a fantasy perspective, I do think one perspective you can look at it is who's winning you leagues and. Clearly, if you've had Tony Gonsolin on your in your rotation, you're you're probably on your way uh, to to a championship. Feeling good. But one of my pet peeves about real world All Star teams is that it's so based on the first half of the season, and I feel like there should be a little bit more recognition of what was done the year before, or maybe the two years before. Sure. So, in in honor of that pet peeve, I am going <laughs> to go with Alcantara here because he's he's just a, a mainstay. Excellent choice. Yeah. Um, and glad to see him rise to the level that he's he's risen to, uh, because I know he's he's you know with each year become more and more of a, a favorite in fantasy. But mm-hmm. I feel like he still never had had really entirely gotten his due. So the fact that at this pace he'll be going into next year as you know in the discussion of number one pitcher overall, perhaps. Yep. Um, that's pretty cool. That is very cool, and just yeah, what a what a great year. Uh, he has put together. I mean, Otani is someone who we could have in here, but since we've already talked about him uh, for my second and final uh, starting pitcher before we move on to relievers to round this out, uh, I'll, I'll go with Alec Manoa. Um, I'll admit to some a tiny bit of bias. He's been a guy who has been huge for some of my teams uh, this year, but 
I just want to uh, like honor the growth that Manoa has shown us this season. A, a guy who, you know, at least when he came up last year, we were expecting and getting a huge am- amount of value out of in the strikeout department. And this year, 97 Ks on 107 and two-thirds innings. So he hasn't been that elite strikeout pitcher uh, that he showed some potential to be last year. But he's been awesome, Al. I mean, he's been so good at you know, limiting hard contact and inducing a ton of soft contact at being able to stay in games and pitch deep into games because of not totally being reliant on the strikeouts. A whip that's still south of one, pitching, you know, obviously not every game or not per like AL East, AL East, AL East, but still like in a, with a team in the AL East where he's not always, but is regularly going to be facing a mighty Yankees lineup, a mighty Red Sox lineup, a good Rays team. Obviously, they don't strike the fear in you that you know New York's lineup or Boston's lineup does, but it's a good team top to bottom. And this guy's still out there with a .98 ERA and a two three four whip. Uh, it's just been a, a great season that he's put together. So uh, he's someone who I will throw in there. And a guy who you know, we, were con- we, we felt good about coming into the season, but you know, most people were drafting him as their SP2. Maybe if you went SP heavy, he was your third SP, and he's looked like one of the 10 best fantasy starters of the season. He has, and uh, I know I talked about him on a, a fairly recent episode because one of the thing that's, things that's been very interesting about Manoa is that he's increased his value over what we saw a year ago, and yet he's doing it by not being quite as prolific of a, of a strikeout pitcher. And, but I still think he's, you know, he's valuable. I mean, I, you know, I picked Alcantara and he's, he may never be a great strikeout pitcher. He just does so many things mm-hmm. so well. And it looks like Manoa is developing into that sort of starter. All right, here we go, Al. Let's round things out. Relief pitcher, just one closer each. I guess if you wanted to go a non-closer route, you could, but that would be strange, especially on a fantasy pod. So one closer each here. Uh, who do you got as your all-star closer? I'm I'm gonna be a little a little weird I think here um, because I'm gonna pick somebody who is a closer but he's not a sole closer. Sure, Ryan Helsley. Mm. He is as of right now, and I will say this this Michael this really surprised me. As of right now, he's leading relievers in roto value. Wow, because of just the ridiculous ratios and strikeouts that that along with seven saves is enough to to put him ahead of, of um, guys like Josh Hader and uh, mm-hmm. Clay Holmes. So, you know, I think he's a, he's a good all-star reliever for 2022 when roles are becoming a little bit more blurred and yeah. you've got a guy here in Helsley who, who can do it all. Yeah. I, I'm totally with you there, Al. I think that's uh, I think that's really a great choice uh, in, in Ryan Helsley. I think there's a great argument for him, even though it is just uh, the seven saves. Uh, it's funny. Like it's, it, this is the position where things always get weird. Like I think there's a compelling case to be made for Jorge Lopez mm-hmm. <laughs> with, yeah. with the, the saves that he's racked up and the reliability that he has and great rates, 42 Ks in 42 and one thirds innings. Um, so I think you can make a, a really good case for him. I think, you know, Emmanuel Classe has to be in this discussion. Ultimately, I'm going to go with Clay Holmes. I mean, this is a guy who you were able to scoop up. And that same goes for Jorge Lopez. Uh, but Clay Holmes um, has locked himself into that Yankees uh, closers role one three four ERA a point eight four WHIP would like the strikeouts to maybe be a little bit gaudier but you know we're not going to get to uh, we're not going to pick any nits on a guy who again we were grabbing off the waiver wire early in the season and uh, is now closing games for the best team in baseball so Clay Holmes is going to be my uh, relief pitcher of choice here 
I was totally prepared to go with Holmes. I mean, he's been really the story in terms of relievers this year. The Helsley thing really came out of nowhere when I was looking at this leaderboard. But uh, yeah, you, you mentioned uh, you know a bunch of pitchers who are are very deserving here. Uh, but uh, yeah, Holmes in terms of a a who right, at least right now is a full time closer. He uh, if you were going to stick to those pitchers, he'd be the obvious choice. All star game, all star break right around the corner. So we wanted to celebrate that on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, we'll be back to brass tacks. Next week, Greg Jewett is going to join us. When Al and I get back together next week, that will be the first day of the second half. It'll be July 21st. We will be technically 11 days away from the trade deadline with the 31st falling on a Sunday. The trade deadline this year is Monday, August 1st. And so uh, Greg, excuse me, our reliever expert here at The Athletic, he is going to have plenty of uh, reliever goodness. Did I say receiver expert? Or reliever I think you expert. Were, you were about to. I, yeah, man, football man. It's creeping into my world here in a big way. <laughs> Greg Jewett is our reliever, relief pitcher expert at The Athletic. And so obviously we know relievers are going to be moving fast and furious in those days leading up to the deadline. So that is what we will dig into next Thursday. Tomorrow, Alan DVR, of course, have the waiver wire covered for you as we do head into this final weekend of the first half of the Major League Baseball season. For Al, I'm Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great weekend.